Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. We are starting a new series um, on the topic of generosity. The topic of generosity. And I just want to tell you how excited I am to talk about this subject. Because I really believe it is a life-changing topic if you grasp it. I want to just set the stage with a verse um, from Proverbs 11, but the title of the talk tonight, and uh, there's going to be a lot of inspiration tonight, and I hope a lot of practical stuff tonight as well. But the title of the talk is The Secret to a Big Life. The Secret to a Big Life. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that in just a moment, because kind of the, the launching point for our series is a, a verse from Proverbs chapter 11, or a couple verses from Proverbs chapter 11. And by the way, go back really quick, whoever's running slides, I didn't get a chance to see who it was. Uh, if, you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 25, because uh, we're going to be camping out there for a few moments. Uh, but the, the launching point for the whole series, um, because uh, our text tonight's going to be Matthew 25, but as we talk about this whole series over the next few weeks, uh, the verse we're going to be camping around is Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, and it says this in the message paraphrase. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. So we're kind of contrasting these two ideas of a generous mindset and a scarcity mindset. Now, a scarcity mindset says, okay, I look out at the world. I see that bad things are happening. I hear doom and gloom on the news. I feel afraid sometimes. And so the natural reaction to that is to say, I need to kind of go inward. I need to hunker down. I need to protect myself. I need to kind of guard all of my assets and guard all of the things that I have because I want to make sure that I kind of look out for me. In a generous mindset, to have a generosity mindset says, I have faith that God is actually in control of my future. And so in the present, I'm going to live a generous life. And it's actually this incredible paradox that the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, talks about. That you would think, according to earthly math, the more you give, the more other people have and the less you have. And the more you hoard, the more that you have, right? That's that's earthly math. But according to uh, God's economy, the world of the generous actually grows bigger. And the world of the stingy is the thing that grows smaller. Now, I want to say this. Generosity does not mean foolishness, okay? Generosity doesn't mean like, I just throw money and throw myself at everything and live a foolish life. Uh, there's, there's wisdom in boundaries and there's wisdom in restraints. And stinginess doesn't mean you're, you're a planner. It doesn't mean you're, you're wise. It doesn't mean you have a budget. That's not stingy or that's not scarce. But we're going to learn a little bit about what it means to live a big life and to live a generous life tonight. I have an outline for us just so you know that I kind of know where I'm going. I kind of have a little bit of a plan. And the outline is this. First off, I want to look at what does the Bible say about our finances. We're going to get really, really practical. And then we're going to learn how we can live generous lives. So the first thing is, what does the Bible say about our finances? And we're going to look at Matthew 25. 
And Matthew 25 is a, a, a parable that Jesus taught. Jesus would teach parables. And the purpose of his parables is he would tell stories that would illustrate certain aspects of life in God's kingdom. And so this specific parable is about money, and it's about the gifts that God gives us. Some of that includes money, but it could be other things as well. God has given each one of us many gifts. Uh, He's given us resources. He's given us the place where we currently live. He's given us time. He's given us talents. And so this story is about that. And what we're going to see is in verse 14 of Matthew 25. And by the way, um, I'm not going to put all of these scriptures on the screen because it's, it's a decent little chunk. But you can listen, or if you're there, Matthew 5, or 25, verse 14, and it says this. Matthew 25, 14. The kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, and to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So this is the start of this story. Jesus tells a story about a man who is leaving, he's going on a journey, and he is a wealthy man. And so he entrusts certain amounts of money to three of his servants, to one five, to one two, and to one one. So I just want to highlight a couple things. The first thing I want to highlight and teach you is that the man going on the journey is representative of Jesus himself. Jesus is illustrating this principle that he is going to leave, and when he leaves, he's going to leave his followers with resources. And then he says, I'm going on a journey, but I am coming back. And part of my return is that I will be trying to discover what you've done with the resources and with the finances upon my return. And I also just want you to notice, and I'll talk about it in just a minute a little bit more, that he doesn't give everybody the same amount of money. I think that's an interesting point. We'll talk about it in just a second. But the first thing I want you to think about tonight is this. And this is kind of a a big idea over our topic of generosity and over our topic of finances. And it's this idea. Jesus is the owner I am the steward. Jesus is the owner. I am the steward. Now, um, raise your hand if you kind of grew up going to church, if you grew up going to church. Most of us did. Okay. And by the way, if you didn't grow up going to church, um, that's okay. We're really glad that every single person is here. If you don't believe in Jesus right now, we're glad you're here. If you uh, just are starting to come to church, we're so glad you're here. So don't feel awkward if you feel like, oh, man, I'm a little bit outsider our goal is we always, we, we like going deep into the scriptures, but we also, uh, I like to say that we like to like, it's like a, the deep end of the pool, hopefully, we're diving deep, but we got a nice ladder, so it's easy for you to get in, it's easy for you to, to get connected, that's our goal. We want, we want to invite you in. But growing up in church, one of the things that people talked about a lot was tithing. Tithing can be a dirty word, it could be a word that people are a little bit afraid of, and and one of the things that I was taught was that tithing basically means you own 90% of your money, and God owns 10% of your money. You should give 10% of your money to God, and 
actually, um, that logic, that line of thinking is false because God owns 100% of your money. Um, as Christians, what we believe is that the earth is the Lord and everything in it, that everything in our lives has been given to us by God. And so actually, I am not an owner of any of it. I'm an owner of 0%. God has entrusted all of it to me. And part of what I do to prove to myself and to prove to him that my owner, that he is the owner, is, is I'm generous with my resources. We'll talk a little bit about that. But, but I just think about it like this. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever um, house sit for some, sat for somebody before. Has anyone ever house sat for somebody before? Um, there's certain awesome things about it because usually your house sitting at a house that's nicer than your current house, right? And so there's always the perks of like, man, I didn't know they made TVs this big. Like, I'm really enjoying the pool or the hot tub, you know? Like, let's, let's have some friends over or whatever and not tell them. I remember one time I was house-sitting for uh, someone that was like a friend of a friend. I don't know how I got connected with it. But um, I, I was really trying to be careful because it wasn't my house. They had like two dogs. They had a cat. And I was like, I just want to please, Lord, help me to keep all the animals alive the whole time. And uh, I set the alarm at night. But then I forgot, and I went outside, and it, I, I had set the alarm. You know how you can do two settings? One's like the, like, 45-second countdown, and one's like the call the cops immediately setting? And I set it on the call the cops immediately setting. And so within five seconds, the phone rings, and it's ADT security, and they're like, are you a robber, you know? And I was like, no, I'm house-sitting. And they're like, cool, what's the code that would tell us and prove to us that you're not a robber? And I was like... I don't have a code. Like, I just, I'm just house sitting. I'm just going to be honest. And so I was just thinking to myself, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I'm just going to have to, like, just hope the cops don't arrest me or something like that. You know, like, just prove nice. But anyways, we figured it out somehow. But the idea is, like, you're taking care of something that is not yours. And, and really, stewardship applies to a lot of areas of life. Um, my son, Isaiah, is three. Uh, my other son, Malachi, is almost one. Uh, I don't own them. Uh, they're, they're not like my possession. God has entrusted their souls to me for their whole lives, but really for the next 15 or 17 years as it applies. Um, I, I am a pastor here at this church. I don't own this church. Um, I don't own the people of this church. God has entrusted me as one of the leaders. And in the same way, the things that you have in your life, your finances, your gifts, your time, the family that you're in, the friends that you have, the relationships that you're in, they're all gifts from God. He's the owner, but you're entrusted with them as a steward. All right, let's keep going. Look at verse 19. And in verse 19, we read, After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he replied, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in the joy of your master. 
I want you to notice something else, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, but you can write it down if you'd like. When Jesus returns, we will give an account, and hopefully it's on the screen. When Jesus returns, we will not give an account of someone else's life, but we will give an account. We will not give an account of someone else's life, but we will give an account. Notice that the, the, the owner, he gave this one individual five, he gave this other individual two, and both of them um, had an equal percentage reward, five, uh, they each kind of produced a 100% return on the owner's investment, and both of them got the same response, and I think that's interesting. Um, he didn't give like the owner with the five, the, the guy with the five stars, like, you know, a a A plus, like I got five gold bags from you. He didn't give the guy who had only had two stars like a B minus, like okay, not as, uh, it's still a passing grade, but I would have liked five bags. No, he gave both the same response. And I think what we could take away from this is that you and me, each one of us have been given different scenarios in life. Um, Each one of us have been given different abilities to make money. Each one of us have been given different talents and skill sets. You have things that you are amazing at that I am not gifted at at all, and vice versa. And I think it's interesting because we we do live in a culture right now where everyone is crying out for equality. Everything has to be equal. And just the reality is, factually speaking, it is not equal. Like Things have not been distributed equally. But what we need to understand is that we're not called to compare ourselves to others. We are, in fact, called to do the most, make the most of what God has entrusted to us. And I remember, uh, especially, I I don't struggle with this as much. I still do struggle with it. but, But God is helping me to grow in this area. But especially throughout my 20s as a young pastor, I would oftentimes get on social media get on Instagram and look at the success or look at the outward metrics of other ministries, other churches, other people. I would look at even like churches or ministries that started around the same time as I started and I would compare myself. And I could get very discouraged and very down on myself because I looked at other people and I said like, man, they're doing better than me. Or I could puff myself up or pride myself because I would look at others and be like, man, I'm doing better than them. And the reality is, like, what what I'm called to do is to take the bags of money that God has entrusted me, the the stuff that God has entrusted me, and I'm called to make the most of that, and it's the same with you. Whether it's money, whether it's your talent, your spiritual gifts, your time, your relationships. We're not called to compare ourselves to other people. We will stand before God one day, and when that happens— God is not going to ask you, what did Brian do with his time? He's not. He's going to say, this is what I gave you. How did you walk it out? So let's keep going. We're going to look really quick at one more thing. Look at verse 24. It says, the one who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. So this man, he only returned the one bag. He was fearful. He didn't do anything with it. He just 
buried it in the ground. And his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least, I had at least received it back with interest. So what we see here is that the, the servant that was unsuccessful was the servant that didn't try, was the servant that lived in fear, was the servant that hid. And I do think we can take a principle from this because a spiritual truth, a biblical truth that is not inherently found in this passage but is found throughout the Bible is that whenever we step into serving God, whenever we step into generosity, whenever we step into giving, whenever we step into using the things that God has given us, God is with us in that. And so we're not alone. Jesus was illustrating a very key principle in this, that he is going to heaven and he is leaving us on earth to carry out his mission. But in this story, he, he doesn't include the fact that he has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And so when it comes to us thinking about this topic, we gotta remember Jesus is with us and he's walking it out with us. So, so I wanna just give us, um, before talking too much about generosity and how to be generous, I really wanna give us just a, a short foundation on biblical finances. What does the Bible teach about finances? You guys are young adults. Um, hopefully some of us have heard this before, but I want you to hear because these are practical things that you can take throughout your life and they're so, so key. And, and, and so the first thing I want us to write down is this, that the foundation of finances is stewardship. So I want you to think about a foundation and then I want you to think about three building blocks on that foundation. We're gonna talk about three building blocks on that foundation, but the foundation is stewardship. Everything that we do with our finances, we're thinking it through the lens, I am a steward. God has given me 100% of what I have. He has entrusted it to me and he is wanting me through the power of the Holy Spirit by studying his word to be wise with what he has given me. Now there's gonna be three building blocks on top of that foundation. The first building block is this, freedom from debt. Freedom from debt. I think that it is so important, especially in our day and age, for us to talk a little bit about debt. Um, now I wanna say this, the, the reason I think this is very important is because, um, well, let, let me put it this way. Some of us in here, um, we have been given a lot of good financial training or God has just blessed us and so we're in a good place financially. Some of us, um, maybe you would say, I'm not in any place financially, right? Like um, I would love to do a budget but I don't have any money to budget and it's like, I don't, I don't, like I'm not really up, I'm not really down. And so you're a little bit of a blank slate. And so if that's you, like, that's awesome. Man, praise God, because you're gonna learn things that are gonna really help you. And then some of you guys, maybe you have made some decisions that you regret. Maybe you have a lot of debt or you have some things you're like, man, I, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And, and so if that's you and you're in a place where you're like, I feel like I'm a little bit overwhelmed with my finances, I do want you to know, like, we are here to help you. We want to, to, to come alongside you. And there's even resources at our church that we can talk about. But I don't want you to feel condemned right now, okay? Because I'm gonna give you some practical things, but I don't want you to feel condemned. Um, and I do want you to think, man, I wanna learn from this. 
Um, it's not too late for you. But, but also to think, man, I, I want some other people to learn about this. And so I want to talk for a minute about debt. The Bible has a very interesting uh, phrase about that, and it's Proverbs 22, 7. And it's the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. What, what the biblical principle is, and, and this is just actually a factual principle, is whenever you borrow money, you are in a, a one-way relationship with the person who lent you money. So uh, I currently have a house payment. I uh, own some percentage of a home. I don't own the whole home. But like, like I, have to, um, I have to make my payments, right? Like, like the bank that is lending me money has complete power over me. If, if I decide like, yeah, I'm good, I'm just gonna like kind of chill for the next like six months. Um, they, they could come take my house because, um, and they wouldn't be like, hey, you can live in this half of the house because you own this half. Like they would take the whole thing, right? Because the borrower is the slave to the lender. And so this is just a biblical principle that uh, when you don't have debt, you, you are free of that uh, one-way relationship. Now, I, I put up a little graph, and I wanted to, to just show you something, because uh, people talk about that there is good debt. And uh, I thought about this for a little bit, and I just want to talk through this, because I do think that this is true. In, in our society, um, and actually, take this down for one second. I don't want you guys looking at it yet. Um, first off, I want to say this. Um, I am not a financial advisor, okay? And I'm not a financial planner. However, um, I have uh, been around young adults, and I have been around young married people, and I have uh, been in ministry long enough to see people uh, do some wise things and see people do some foolish things, okay? And, and I've heard other people who are wiser than me communicate some of these principles as well. And so I do believe there are some times in our lives, like the ideal situation is none of us ever do any debt. None of us ever go into debt. Um, but I think that there's just some times where we may have to, to go into debt. But, but I put up four, four thoughts here. I think there's wise debt and unwise debt, and I think there's necessary debt and unnecessary debt. So we'll start at the bottom. Unwise and unnecessary, I would put in the category of consumer debt. That would mean buying a new car. You can buy a new car if you can afford a new car, but don't buy a new car if you, if you can't afford a new car. Uh, buying brand new furniture, that's, that's what I would consider to be unwise. Um, unwise and yet necessary, here, here's what I would say about that. And again, if you have this, like I'm not trying to throw shade at you, I'm just trying to provide an overarching perspective of wisdom, which is um, people will say, any degree you get is awesome, just whatever debt you go into, get to go into that degree is awesome. But there are some degrees that you can get, you can spend a lot of money and go into a lot of debt that don't have a great return on that, okay? And, and again, uh, th this is where it, it really stinks because like college admissions, they don't like lay that out for you. But uh, they're, they're incentivized in college admissions to like get you to go into debt. They're like, we, we're trying to sell you a product. And if you... Uh, go $80,000 into debt to become a doctor and you're making $500,000 a year, that's awesome. If you go $100,000 into debt to become an underwater basket weaver at $5 a basket, it's not as good of a deal. Does that make sense? And, and so that's just something to think about and consider. Um, uh, wise and unnecessary 
would be the smart purchase at the wrong time. And if you can't afford it, don't buy a house. If you can't afford it, don't buy an investment property. There, there's smart purchases you can make at the wrong time. And then a wise and necessary amount of debt would be an inexpensive used car, a practical degree, a home that you could afford, etc. So that's just a little grid that I was thinking about that hopefully that's helpful to you as you start to go into money. Um, one more thing about debt that I'll just share with you. Um, Dave Ramsey has some excellent points on this. Um, I really like Financial Peace University. It's a class that we offer. If you want financial resources, uh, it's a class that we highly recommend at the church. But his first two baby steps is save $1,000 and then pay off all debt except for your house from the smallest to the largest. So that's kind of the grid that he uses. So that's the first building block is getting out of debt. The second building block is saving. Saving. Now, there's a couple extremes that we have when we go into saving. Um, some people would say, okay, we, there, there's some teachings about Jesus about not storing up treasure on the earth. Um, there's teaching about Jesus about not uh, getting too locked in here on the earth. And that's very true. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But there are also many scriptures that talk about the wisdom of saving money. Proverbs 13, 22, these aren't on the screen. Uh, but, but I'll just read a couple. A godly person, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn, and he will seek at harvest and have nothing. In 1 Timothy 5a, anyone who does not provide for their relatives, uh, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so we do live in a world where you, you need to buy stuff. And so there is wisdom in saving money. Um, there's wisdom in storing up certain aspect of your finances in order to make purchases later, in order to help your family, in order to um, buy a house and do certain things. Um, and, and in fact, what I would say is uh, that if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's a lot harder to be generous. But if you're able to operate with wisdom with your money, then you actually are more free to be generous. Uh, Dave Ramsey, one of his other principles is to save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. That way, when something does happen, uh, when a rainy day comes, as he puts it, you're actually able to, um, to invest and you're able to, to, to not like freak out and have to go into a ton of debt. So saving. Now, I remember I told you, one extreme is people who never save at all, people who don't care. The other extreme is that you uh, become so enamored with money and become so obsessed with worldly pleasures that you forget about the kingdom of God. And that can be a huge temptation, especially uh, for uh, young adults as maybe you start careers, you start making the money, the, the paychecks start to hit, and you start thinking like, man, this is really awesome. Like, for the first time in my life, I have some money, I have something to spend. And, and that can be a beautiful thing, and you don't have to, um, you, you don't have to feel shame for, for uh, making purchases that you enjoy, but we always want to remember uh, this earth is not our ultimate final destination. And we want to live generous lives. We don't want to hoard things here on this earth. Okay, I'm going to skip one slide ahead for those in the back. And I'm going to talk about building block number three. And that really is why I want to talk tonight. And it's the building block of generosity. The building block of generosity. Remember, the, 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 the foundation is that we have a foundation of stewardship. Every cent that passes through us is owned by God. We want to get out of debt. 
we want to save and be wise, and we also want to be generous. I want to share four reasons for generosity as we close. The first reason is this, that generosity points our hearts toward heaven. Generosity points our hearts towards heaven. Jesus talked a lot about money. And Jesus had a lot to say about finances. And he he has this really fascinating teaching about money that's found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Now, here's an interesting point, and John Mark Comer makes this point about this verse that I'm about to put on the screen, that um, Jesus gives a very intense teaching that they were about to read, but, but this is not actually a command. This is a statement about reality. He's not telling you to do anything. He's telling you this is how it is. This is how reality is. And he says this. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. He's not like, try really hard not to serve two masters. He's saying, you can't do it. It's impossible. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so when we are generous with our money, we are actually pointing our heart in the direction of God's kingdom. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. And so one of the ways, I don't think it's the only way, but if you want to fall more in love with Jesus, point more of your budget toward the things of Jesus. Because as you send your money, your heart's going to follow that. And so generosity points our hearts towards heaven. The second thing about generosity is that generosity stores up treasure in heaven. There is promised reward for us in heaven for the follower of Jesus for those who are generous. Now, here's what's interesting. A lot of people, they feel like that's kind of a bad motivation. Like, I don't want to give to get a reward, okay? Now, here's what I would say. I don't think that should be our only motivation, but Jesus gave it as an incentive to us repeatedly. So I don't think he's mad that it's a motivation because he's telling us this should be your motivation. And what Jesus says is, don't store up for yourself treasure here on the earth, but in fact, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. When we are generous with our money, we are not amassing an empire here on earth. We are pointing it towards heaven that we're actually saving a reward from heaven. Here's the illustration that I heard once. I didn't make this up, but I think it's really good. I've shared it at the harbor a long time ago, so if you've heard it before here, I mean, I probably shared it like four or five years ago. But imagine with me that I came to you and I told you America is sinking. Not like, you know, the news, like things are going really bad politically. Like literally, America is going to sink. Like, like, the floods are happening or whatever it is, and, and, and we're all going underwater. And I have for you a ticket for you to get on an airplane and fly to Europe and start a new life in Europe. And I said, it's happening. In one week's time, America's going to sink. It's going to be underwater, but I can get you to Europe. And I said this to you. You can't take anything on the plane. You're not allowed. The only thing you can take, the plane's going to be crowded. Everybody's going to be trying to get out. The only, time, the only way you can get there is here. But I said this. Whatever you can fit into storage containers by Friday, you can put it on a boat and send it ahead. Now, if that were the case, your motivation over the next week would not be, 
how much fun can I have over the next week, right? You wouldn't be like, man, I, I w- I'm trying to buy more clothes for myself here. You wouldn't be like, I'm trying to, to like go out to Disney and try to go out and do all these incredible things. You'd be like, my motivation is I'm trying to get as much of my stuff as possible in boxes to send ahead. Now, here's the illustration. People will say when it about stuff, they say you can't take it with you when you die. And I would say you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You can store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And for the follower of Jesus, we know we're going to heaven. And there will be rewards in heaven based on how we act here on earth. And when we are generous with our time when we use our spiritual gifts, when we love and serve the poor, when we tithe, when we contribute to the mission of Jesus, we are sending it ahead. We're storing up treasure in heaven, and that's what generosity does. Number three, generosity. Oh, this is really interesting. Those who are generous will receive earthly blessing. Now, There's the prosperity gospel, and the prosperity gospel basically talks about this idea that you can kind of manipulate God. And if you give a certain amount, like, God will have to give you a certain amount, okay? Now, we don't agree with the prosperity gospel, but here's what's interesting. God does, in his word, biblically talk about the fact that those who are generous will be blessed even here on earth. Uh, There's a really interesting scripture, and I think this is one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. It says this, Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay his deed. That's a crazy verse if you think about it. And maybe you feel like like I'm poor. Like I I would love for someone to be generous to me. Can God give me a loan, right? Can God co-sign the loan for me? But but here's what he's saying, that, that any time you're give to someone that is in need, anytime you give with a heart to demonstrate Christ's love, literally what's happening is God is saying, don't worry about that person paying you back. I will take care of you. I will pay you back. And I think that's pretty good because um, God's interest rate is a lot better than anyone else's interest rate. Let me just tell you that. And um, I have seen this happen in my own life in so many different ways. Uh, Katie uh, and, and me, like one of the things that we absolutely love is we love to be generous. Uh, we love to, to, um, to just to, to operate in a heart of generosity. And it's because part of it is it's so cool to see how God works in your life when you're generous. And I wouldn't say I'm the most generous person that I know. I wouldn't even say I'm the most generous person in this room. But what I would say is I've seen enough to know that I really think you're missing out if you're not operating with a life of generosity. I think you are missing out. Because I think you're missing out on so many incredible things that God does. And I could tell you a lot of cool stories. But, but what we do see is that there are earthly blessings. Now, these earthly blessings, it's not always a financial blessing. There is a great joy that comes with giving. There are things that happen in your life that are uh, maybe intangible things that happen because you live a life of generosity. But I will tell you, sometimes it is a financial blessing that happens uh, when you live a life of generosity. God takes care of people who are generous. And uh, the, the saying goes that... Um, God can do more 
with 90% of your money than you can do with 100% of your money. And then the last reason for generosity is this. Generosity fuels Jesus' mission. A huge part of the way that God's kingdom moves forward on this earth is by the financial generosity of people who are part of his church. And so, yes, as followers of Jesus, we do want to get out of debt. As followers of Jesus, we do want to save. There's wisdom in budgeting. There's wisdom in buying a house. There's wisdom in having a Roth IRA. And I could talk about the importance of a Roth IRA and all that stuff. You should have a Roth IRA. But, but the, the most important thing is that generosity fuels the mission of Jesus. And that on this earth, one of the ways that God's kingdom moves forward is by his people generously giving. I put up, and this is the last slide. I know I've talked a lot, but I've hoped I've given you some inspiration, but also some practical stuff. But I put up a few ways to be generous. One is in our community. And what I mean by that is in our harbor community. We can be generous with one another. We can look for ways to bless and encourage each other, not just with money, with our words, with acts of kindness. And also we can look for ways to, to be kind to each other with, with gifts or things like that as well. Number two is giving to the poor. Giving to the poor. Now I wrote in there, hand ups and handouts. And what I would say is that both are biblical. A handout is basically literally you're just giving them something. You're giving them money. You're giving them a, a gift card to Subway. You're giving them a care package. You're giving, like, you can do that. And, and some people get weird about that. I mean, Jesus said, give to whoever asks you. And so personally, I try to be wise with that stuff, but it's okay. But also a, another way, and I don't have time to go into all of this, but another way to give to the poor is to think about ways that empower them to step into uh, the, the next level of life. And, and so uh, even biblically speaking, uh, people who were rich and who were landowners, they were commanded, don't uh, harvest all of your grain and allow the poor to come and to harvest some of the grain. And so that's a hand up that they're saying, hey, uh, you're allowed to step into this and you're allowed to start building because of this. And so uh, thinking about both of those things. Uh, number three is giving to nonprofits. There's great nonprofits doing a lot of great work. And then number four is tithing and giving to the local church. Now, I do want to talk about number four for just a moment. Uh, a lot of people, and uh, granted, I'm going to make a little uh, talk about why I believe tithing is important, and I will just say this up front. I'm a pastor, so, I mean, it's possible that I'm being biased towards tithing, okay, because, like, I work at a church, and tithing is giving to your church, okay? So I'm just going to say that up front, but, but let me just share with you why I believe um, tithing is a biblical principle and why I believe God uh, does believe it's important. It's easy to look at a church and be like, man, there's so many people here. People are giving here. That's fine, but, but here's what I would say. Um, if you give money to a, a, a poor person who's standing on the street, um, that money is going to expire as soon as they spend it. Like that's kind of the end of the, of the cycle. Now, that's not bad. I truly believe that you should do that and I truly be, believe that you should be generous with that. And, and th I've done that. There, there's been times where like I, I was driving home one night, a guy walked up to me, he asked for money. I was like, I, I typically when I, I try not to just give cash. I try to buy food or try to buy gift cards. Went to Publix with him, got him some, uh, some food. He asked for a ride. 
wouldn't always recommend giving a ride, did give a ride, found out it was his birthday, talked to him, prayed with him. It was, it was a cool thing. So I'm, I'm for that. D- ladies, don't give guys rides in, that are homeless, okay? That's point number six. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I think that's good. And, and so I don't think it's an either-or thing. However, when you're giving to a church, when I give to Calvary, um, what's happening is the money that I'm investing into is going to a lot of different things. It's going to things like uh, investing in the next generation at the harbor. It's going to things like uh, training up 800 students um, to hopefully become amazing uh, men and women who are going to be missionaries and who are going to be pastors and who are going to advance the kingdom. It's going to biblical counseling to help people be restored and be renewed. And so, so the, the idea is this, and both are good, but the idea is um, in, in one way, you are buying bandages for a person who's bleeding, and that would be just giving directly to the poor. That's a very good thing. When you're tithing, you are investing into a teaching hospital. So people are coming to the hospital to get repaired, to get built up, and it's a teaching hospital because it's investing in more people who are going to go out and start more hospitals. Does that make sense? So that's why I believe that God does care about the local church. And by the way, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. So Jesus's primary method of mission is the local church, which is why I believe it's important to tithe. Okay. Now, keep in mind, I believe in that, but also I'm a local, I'm a local church pastor, so I'm going to believe in that. Um. How are we going to close? We're going to close with a couple challenges. The first challenge is this. I want to encourage you when it comes to generosity to really pray and to really say, God, stretch my faith. How how can I grow in this area? And what I believe is that uh, God will challenge us. God will call us to take small steps. But I believe as you take those small steps, you are going to begin to see God do beautiful things in your life. And I don't want to promise exactly what it is. And I don't necessarily guarantee that all your wildest dreams will immediately come true. But I do believe that you will see God bring blessing into your life as you are generous. Specifically about tithing, God actually says, it's the only time in the whole Bible where he says, test me. He says, test me in the tithe and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing, so much blessing you won't be able to contain it. That's what it says in Micah chapter three about tithing. And so I believe that when we are generous, there's something special that happens in our relationship with God, and I wanna challenge you with that. Uh, Especially if you're a follower of Jesus, that that you would say, I wanna live a generous life. And then the second thing that I wanna do, and this is how we'll close, and uh, the band's gonna come back up and lead us in one more song. But, the only reason that we are actually generous is because Jesus has already been generous with us. And, and there's so many practical things that Jesus has done from uh, giving us life to uh, giving us the breath that we have, giving us the bodies that we have, giving us the skill sets we have, the passions we have. But, but the greatest reason that we have received generosity is because uh, we were in desperate need of a savior and God loved us so much that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so when we put our faith in Jesus, it is us saying, Jesus, I receive your generosity. And so before we ever are generous, before we ever give, we give because he has already given. 
So I want to invite us to stand to our feet and we'll pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this series that we are in. And I pray that you will use it to bring great blessing uh, to uh, your kingdom. God, I pray that you would stretch us and help us. Um, God, I pray for the young adults in this room right now who are gonna hear this message. And, and God, I just think about the potential of a group of young adults who embraces the principle of stewardship, who embraces the principle of, of saving, getting out of debt, but also of generosity. And I think about the infinite kingdom impact that could happen if we're truly res responding to this. So I pray that you would work on our lives. I pray that this message would be planted deep in our hearts. And I ask that you would move in a special way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.